And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. Time to talk money. And joining me now from Envision Financial, Luke Smith, good afternoon. Mate, good afternoon. How are we? We're doing relatively well. I mean, all things considered, you know, mm. life could be a whole lot worse than it is. You know, we're doing okay. Yeah, you look at what's going on around the world at the moment and you realise just how fortunate we are and how lucky we've been to get this far down the journey and, and have been so limited in relation to our impact. So it's, yeah. it's tough, but I guess we'll get through it and you know we play on and do the right thing. Exactly. The things we're going through here in Australia, minor inconvenience compared to what's going on in some parts of the world. So uh, let's have a look at our topic for today. Now, this is an interesting one. What is a property trust and why would you use one? Now, Luke, I always had the impression that if you had a property trust, that meant you must be rich. No, look, not at all. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions, and and we touched on this uh, last week when we talked about sources of potential income. And this is a great one for people to look to try and build into their portfolio where there is a real thirst for income and it's getting harder and harder to find places to generate yield because interest rates are so low, cash offerings are low, term deposits are low, fixed interest returns are fairly limited. So a property trust is just a fund or an ETF that you could look to invest in that holds a wide range of different property assets. Now, we're not talking residential. A lot of people jump to residential, but a property trust is generally a trust structure that will hold office, industrial, commercial, storage, Some property trusts may own a chain of petrol stations, for example. So where you're looking to play in the commercial space, a property trust is a great way to, one, get some diversification away from Australian equities, two, a really good way to try and generate and underpin the return of your portfolio, be it trust or be it super, because a property trust at the moment will generally pay a yield of between sort of 4.5% and 6%. Um, and then you have infrastructure assets which are a slightly different animal. But if we if we stick to the property trust side of things, they're a very good way of getting the diversification that you need, being able to hold a range of different property assets in a range of different sectors. So it's not just something where people go, oh, I'm going to buy into a trust and it's got 500 houses in it. It's very much a case of breaking up the commercial property environment into the various sectors that we touched on before and being able to diversify within that property Forum itself. Okay, so uh, it's a simple matter of being able to buy a, a, a small or even a large parcel in a trust that has a wide range of investments across the property sector. Basically, is that it in, in a nutshell? Yeah, look, that's exactly right. It's, it's a good way to get the diversification that people are after. It's a great way to get an exposure to a sector without having to have a huge amount of money. One big misconception that we find in the property space is a lot of people will come in and say, well, I can't afford to buy in that space because I can't afford to buy a building. And and in a lot of instances, that may be the case. So a property trust is a great way to get an exposure at potentially $1,000. There are some property trusts that will let you invest with as little as 1000 Some of them are 5000 Some may be ten. So just check the offering that you're looking to try and get units in. Um, you can also then use it as an investment vehicle and take advantage of a dollar cost averaging strategy. So you might put $5,000 in or $10,000 in to start and then they have savings facilities where you could add one or 2000 a month over time and continually build up that exposure within your portfolio until you get to an appropriate weighting or you're generating an income stream that helps complement other assets. 
Now, if you buy shares, you'd normally get a dividend twice a year, assuming the company is successful and is mm-hmm. able to pay a dividend. If you're buying into a property trust, um, how often do you get some sort of return on that investment? So, again, it really depends on the type of fund that you buy into. So it's important that you look at the structure of the trust that you're considering. Some of them will make uh, a quarterly distribution of income. Some of them will make a semi-annual distribution of income. Some you can buy that will make a monthly distribution of income. So again, it pays to sort of understand the product that you're looking to try and use. You will find that the fund managers uh, that offer this type of investment may have a more frequent payment option compared to a passive exposure through an ETF, for example, where they may only pay twice a year or once a year. So it really depends on what you're trying to achieve, the risk that you're willing to take on, and that income driver that you're looking to try and achieve in your portfolio and how often you would like to receive the distributions. And the distributions primarily come from, in a lot of instances, the collection of rent, because if we use a very simple example, if we hold a property trust, and let's say, for example, it held... Westfield Shopping Centre. All of the shops in Westfield Shopping Centre pay rent and then that rent, a portion of that rent gets distributed to the investor as the person that owns the units in that unit trust. That's a very simple example, but that's effectively what we're trying to do. We're trying to buy into different commercial areas. We're going to collect a regular collection of rent and we want high occupancy, high tenancy and in, in businesses that are going to be able to sustain and pay their rent over time so that we can continue to get a very strong dividend paid into the portfolio. Okay, so you've used those Westfield shopping centres as an example there. Now, if I buy units in a property trust that is heavily invested in shopping centres, for example, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. shopping centres go out of favour for whatever reason, do I need to mm-hmm. leave that trust and look for a different one? Or are the managers of that trust going to perhaps sell down their holdings in the shopping centres and look for alternative investments? Look, I think that's, that's a great point to make. It's not so much your responsibility to try and move dynamically from investment to investment because that could result in capital gains tax, that could result in buy and sell costs and a range of other expenses that you don't necessarily need to adhere to. I think the advantage of using a fund in conjunction with an ETF is that an active manager will be looking to try and make those strategic decisions for you. And a lot of them have over the last 12 months where the writing was on the wall in relation to the office sector, for example. So they may have divested themselves of that area and moved into more of an industrial uh, position where storage and, and online shopping have driven the industrial space in relation to demand. So you've seen increased occupancy in industrial properties because people need to store their stuff. And they're able to use that dynamic exposure within their respective sectors to get the best return they can for investors. And I think that's why using an active fund in conjunction with something like an ETF, it gives you that core and satellite approach, which can be very effective because it will help limit the volatility of your broader portfolio if something like your example was to occur. And are we restricted to Australian properties or are we perhaps uh, looking at the possibility of investing in commercial and industrial properties all around the world? Look, again, um, something that people should always keep into the, the, the front, I guess the forefront of their decision making is diversification. You know, the old adage of not having all your eggs in one basket. Whilst that applies to the broader portfolio, it also reply, applies to the sector by sector approach of your investing. So it would be very prudent for somebody to have 
an active position in Australia, an ETF that gives you the broader uh, index or market, and then looking to try and use an active property manager that maintains foreign-based assets so that you've got the best of both worlds because then you're taking into account growth in Australia, you're taking into account growth offshore, and you've also then potentially got currency protection as well. So diversification is the key, and you can take a position in both an ETF that is domestic and foreign, as well as an active property trust that is in Australia and also overseas. So again, look under the hood and see what you're buying into. Now, every time you say ETF, that is, of course, exchange-traded fund. So are all these property trusts exchange-traded that we can just buy on the stock exchange, or are there options that, are, that you buy elsewhere? So it's really a combination. It's not so much one or the other. It really comes down to the provider and what they offer. And I'll give you an example. You can buy uh, the APN AREIT fund, which is a domestic fund that buys commercial properties and collects the rent. And they generate a yield at the moment of about 5.2-5.3%. And the driving uh, factor in that fund, their objective is to provide 110% of the index yield. So it is more of an income-based position as opposed to a growth position, which for your retirees and, and, and your pensioners can be very advantageous because a yield of 5%, whilst it doesn't come risk-free, you are buying into high-quality properties that will collect a lot of rent. Um, you can also buy a listed version of that fund. That's called an M fund, which is a listed managed fund. So you can buy that if you have a trading account with a Comsec, for example. So you can also then buy a broader exposure to the property index through the use of an ETF. So it really just comes down to the structure that you're going to buy the, the, the investment in and then the platform that you're currently using. If it's in super, you may buy the fund version. Some, fund, uh, some super funds will let you buy the M fund, which is the listed managed fund. And that really, it's the same fund. It's just one's bought on the ASX, the other one's filled out with an application. So... The, the, the AFX-based assets are generally yeah. easier to facilitate and, and, and transact on. Okay, now you mentioned super there. That was going to be my next question. When you're buying a property trust, is it better to buy it in your own name or buy it through your super fund? Well, again, we've got to start with why and come backwards. There's, there isn't a, a, a right or wrong answer here. It's more about looking at what are you trying to acquire and what are you going to do with it in your portfolio. People can buy that sort of property asset outside they could hold that in their own name. They could hold that in a family trust. You could also, in a well-diversified super fund, again, checking that your fund allows you to buy these sorts of investments because some funds just may not have it on their investment menu. So it's important to look first to say, is it an option for me in the fund that I'm in? And if it's not, maybe look at another fund. Um, but you can hold it in both structures because ultimately you're trying to find an asset that's within your risk profile that will generate a good, strong reoccurring income stream and as we've seen over the last 12 months following the falls of March, can recover and provide some capital appreciation over time as well. So it's, it's a mixed bag on all fronts, and it's, it's applicable to any structure that you have, provided it's in line with your identified risk profile. Indeed. So, Luke, how would you use a property trust as part of your portfolio? Yeah, so when we're trying to incorporate diversification into our fund, we want to look at our risk profile and decide, and, and the analogy I use regularly is how fast do we want to drive the car? Do we want to do 100 in a 100 zone? Do we want to do 130 in a 100 zone? Do we want to do 80 in a 100 zone? That will help you then determine the total exposure that you would have within your portfolio towards the property sector. 
And then it's a case of building out that exposure through the use of all of those vehicles that we've spoken about. You can have a domestic exposure for income. You could have a property exposure to the property index. Um, and they're very cost effective at 0.25. Um, so your vanguards, your beta shares, you know, the, the, the listed version of those will, will give you that cost effective diversification. And then you can look to have more active management in something like the APN fund that is yield driven. You could also then incorporate uh, a foreign fund that will give you an exposure to offshore markets. Um, so it's really about understanding why am I buying it, how much of it are we going to hold, and then breaking down of the allocation within my fund, how do I break up into a number of different baskets the assets that I want to hold for the various reasons that I'm holding them within my portfolio. What sort of uh, income stream do you think uh, people should anticipate coming out of a property fund? Because I know if you buy shares, there are some companies that will pay you a dividend that might be 6 or 7%, others that might be paying you a dividend that's only 2 or 3%. So is it the same with property trust? There's a range of different answers to that question? There are, and it will come down to the underlying assets of the fund. So where you're holding rent collectors like an APN, they're not a growth orientated fund, so they have a bias towards income. So again, as part of your portfolio construction, you would be saying, okay, I want to be able to generate an amount of income that will help underpin pension payments, for example, if I'm retired, and you may have an allocation into a fund with that sort of bias. At the moment, for example, I know that fund uh, is paying about 5.2, which you know, compared to cash and fixed interest is extremely appealing. Um, you may also have uh, an offshore fund that might pay between four and five as well. So it'll depend on the growth of the underlying investments and where they're located and also the yield that is generated. So you'll probably get a better income yield from domestic assets. You may get greater capital growth from foreign-based assets. But across that indice as a whole, you would be want to get in between sort of four and six to make it worth your while to take on that additional risk in relation to volatility to get that added income. Indeed. But Luke, tell me, what should people keep in mind when using a property trust? Yeah, I think some of the key things we touched on before the ad break is start with why and come backwards. People need to remember that if you're going to get a 5% or more income stream from the investments that you purchase, that's not risk-free. So you need to ensure that you have an appropriate weighting within your portfolio and having a good level of diversification can try and help you both in good times and bad times. So think about the exposure that you'll have within your portfolio. Think about using an active manager that is a specialist in the area or buying into a fund that will have a specific objective like being more income than growth orientated if it is that yield that you're after. Look to try and balance an active manager with an indexed exposure so that you have a, a what they call a core and satellite approach because the index will be very cost effective and you'll be paying a little bit more in internal cost ratios for an active manager. But for that cost, you're then hoping to get a greater rate of return, a more consistent level of income or a specific objective, depending on what the particular asset is offering. Um, remember to have a domestic and an overseas exposure. So diversify within the property sector. Uh, don't just buy five apples in the same sector and think that they're different. Um, five apples are five apples, especially if they're all green. So have domestic, have international, have active, have passive. Spread it around so that you don't have a high reliance on one individual provider as well. 
it's all well and good to have an exposure in a sector, but if you put all your eggs into one fund manager's basket and they underperform over the course of 12 or 24 months, you could have mitigated or reduced that risk by having three or four different providers in the sector so that you can get a better outperformance if one manager does struggle over a specific period of time. And it, it happens across the board. They're all going to have times of outperformance. They're all going to have times where they get a couple of things wrong. That's, that's just the nature of investment. So an appropriate amount of diversification is good. Um, and then look to try and maybe build some infrastructure assets around your specific property holdings. Again, there's a further way to diversify and hold some high growth assets that have reoccurring income streams that will be able to provide you with a commensurate rate of return or a yield that is greater than cash and fixed interest because a yield is, is, is very topical at the moment and I think it will become very important and remain important while interest rates stay at current levels. So make the most of, of each individual sector but also keep in mind that there is some strategic considerations that you need to keep uh, at, at the front of mind when, when investing inside or outside of super. Yeah, and when you talk about uh, considering the underlying assets and where the funds are actually invested, it's basically not much different from when you're choosing to buy a share. You don't just pick any share on the stock exchange because you think it sounds good. You look at what the company is, what it does, what its assets are, what its liabilities are. So it's the same with a property fund. You'd be looking at uh, where the money is actually invested, what sort of properties are involved. Just make Make sure you understand where the money is actually invested. We look very much so, uh, and just remember that if you want to chase a higher return, you need to look under the hood because I can I can guarantee that will come with a much higher rate of risk. So if you can see a property trust is paying twelve and a half percent, and then you look at the underlying assets and you hold two thirds of the you know Italian commercial property sector, <laughs> uh, you want to be you want to be suitably rewarded for the amount of equity risk that you're taking on. So it's important to understand where the money's actually invested Indeed. so that you can make sure that it's in line with how you feel about risk. So, Luke, where can listeners get more information? Yeah, so the number hasn't changed. 02-626-04749. We've got envisionfinancial.com.au. We've got the Knowledge Center there. You can subscribe to that for free. We've got the YouTube channel, Envision Financial Canberra, where you can subscribe and watch the show on your iPhone. And we've got the podcast on iTunes and Spotify, the strategy stacker, Luke Talks Money. Uh, so for the, the, the podcast lovers out there, you can get out like everyone else at the moment, walk the dog and, and knock over a, a, a chapter or two. Absolutely fantastic stuff, Luke. You have a wonderful afternoon and we'll catch you again next Friday. We'll see you next Friday. Thank you, Luke Smith from Envision Financial. And of course, Luke will be back again at the usual time next Friday afternoon to talk some more money. 